welcome to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two Extraordinary Moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 25 of the podcast. How's everybody doing? Hope your summer is going well. I have a wonderful, inspiring, and also very tender episode to be sharing with you today. My guest is Sadie Sipe, and Sadie has really had a challenging go at motherhood as she has um, battled infertility, suffered from a few losses, She was in a really traumatic car accident, and we're sharing how the hard things can actually make us stronger, how they shift our perspective, how they can really change us for good. And she's definitely been shaped by her life experiences, both as a mom and as just a woman and a wife. So I'm so excited for you to hear from Sadie today. She is such a wonderful, tender-hearted mother, and I'm so excited for you to get to know her journey. So let's get to it with Sadie Seip. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Sadie Sipe today. Hi, Sadie. Hi. How are you? you? Oh, I'm so excited to be chatting with you this morning. And people listening do not get the benefit of seeing how cute you are. You have this cute headscarf, <laughs> and you're just like so darling. That is so sweet because normally I'm in very dirty yoga pants and a t shirt. <laughs> well, the fact we both got dressed for an audio interview just shows how much we're winning it Tuesday or Wednesday. No, it's Wednesday. Yep. <laughs> yep. I felt like maybe I'll put real clothes on today and try to feel somewhat human. So. Exactly. I love it. Well, Sadie, I am so excited to be chatting with you, and we're going to hear your little guy a little bit in the background, and that is just fine. What's your little guy's name? Um, his name is Zion Bear. Zion Bear. And we're going to hear about the miracle of him coming to be and everything. But for people that may not know you, Sadie, will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? Yes. So, yes, my name is Sadie, and um, we are – an Air Force family. My husband is um, a helicopter pilot in the Air Force, and so that has meant a lot of moves for us. We've moved um, six times in seven years. I had to do the math there for a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've lived in, this is our sixth state that we're currently in New Mexico now, and um, we were not trying to have children when we first got married. Um, and in 2013, we were surprised to find out that we were, that I was pregnant and, um, we had a healthy baby girl in 20, end of 2013. Who's, um, her name is Pippa, Pippa Noel. And, um, we thought that that easy pregnancy got pregnant, easy, great delivery. We, I naively thought that that would mean that growing our family would be easy. Um, and would be a simple process. And so we started trying again when she was about 10 months old. Um, and that pregnancy ended around eight weeks in an early miscarriage was really hard for us, but it, it, I thought at the time that that was the hardest thing we would go through. And so I just, we processed it and, and felt, I felt like we processed it well and handled grief and then started trying again. And, um, that took, almost a year and we got pregnant um and everything looked great no no signs of anything 
wrong with that pregnancy. And when I was about 14 weeks pregnant, we were um, in a car wreck on Mother's Day. We were hit by a drunk driver. And um, it caused, it was a pretty, a pretty severe wreck, lots of injuries. My husband broke his hip and pelvis and um, I broke my sternum and a couple ribs and our daughter Pippa in the back seat was, was perfectly fine, was unharmed, but the emotional and, you know, mental trauma since then has been, has been something that we've had to walk through with her and, and with each other in our marriage. And so um, our baby girl, we found out she was a girl. She was um, doing well, and and um, everything looked good after the car accident. And so we kept going a couple months, and we thought everything was going to be okay. And we went in for a routine um, checkup in July, and she did not have a heartbeat. And so I was induced two days later with um, with her, and we got to meet her and spend time with her before we had to had to say goodbye. And so that's since then we and then we we did start trying and had one more healthy baby zion is our double rainbow baby that kind of has shaped our our marriage and my motherhood journey so far well first let me just start by saying i'm so so sorry for those losses and and now that you have the comparison between you know losing a child at eight weeks gestation versus further along and actually getting to meet that baby and everything you have a very unique perspective of motherhood, mm-hmm. one that I don't fully understand because I have not been through that. But I'm grateful for your willingness to, to share with us so that we can have a better understanding of what that is like for someone who's walked that walk so that we can be a support and show up for our friends or be more prepared ourselves if, heaven forbid, that becomes part of our story as well. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for, for your willingness um, to share and isn't it interesting, like you said, at with, with that first loss you experienced, you thought that was like the worst thing that you could ever go through, right? That that level of right. grief that, and, and it is for, you know, for, by all accounts, you were going to be a mother to this child and then you're robbed of that and that's not going to, to happen. So mm-hmm. as you have experienced different types of grief and as you have processed loss at different stages, what have you learned about grief in general and about processing it and about giving yourself the space to just let it unfold as it will? Yeah. Um, that's actually been a hard thing for me because I, I want, I want to have like a, like a 10 step program and a, you know what I mean? Like I want it to be real linear. I want to just get through something and process it. I think all of this has forced me to realize that grief is not linear and it's not something that can be, um, dealt with in a period of like six months or six weeks. And, you know, there's no one, two, three steps to it. Like there are general guidelines. You have to go through different emotions and these different, but then you might come back to, you know, you might start with anger and then go to depression and then circle back to anger when you thought you were done with it. And so that's just been a huge, a huge thing that I've had to come to terms with is that it's not going to be an easy kind of upward battle. It's going to be up and down and back and forth and it, and it's not something that I can, um, I can't control. I never know when it's going to hit and when it's, when it's going to feel easier or harder, but it, the overall arc I feel like is processing through it and if you put in the work you know it it 
it's not linear, but you will, if you put in the work and process through it, like you can make progress towards healing. It just looks very circular and and feels like you're taking steps back sometimes. Um, And so, yeah, that's been the main thing is it's watching it unfold is that you can't control where the grief takes you and you can't control how fast you process it. Well, and I guess the sooner you can expect the unexpected and not hold too tightly to that kind of the better Mm -hmm. chance you have at it at least progressing, even if Mm -hmm. it's not linear. I mean, life is not linear. And and we know that cognitively. It's like, obviously, life is confusing and we make progress in some areas and we slide back and we change directions. And like, we know this cognitively, but we just want so badly to keep moving forward in a positive direction that right, right. When, and when, you, when we don't, when you it don't, hurts yeah, so much. Yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah. It's hard. And it's one of my friends told me to stop fighting the grief and to just honor it. And I thought mm-hmm. that was such an interesting, cause I just wanted to get over. It. I just wanted to climb this mountain and, and process the loss and still remember my babies, but just you know, just get through it. And she said, you can't, you can't fight through it. You just have to honor it. And, and that's a hard, a hard concept for somebody who wants to just move forward in a, in a positive direction and, and get through stuff. So. Right. When I've talked with other women who have experienced losses similar to yours, they talk about grappling with waking up and sometimes feeling a little bit better and a little more hopeful and feeling the joy a little bit more about what currently is and, you know, their other children or the other good things that are going on and existing in their lives, but then feeling Mm -hmm. guilty about that same thing, about moving forward, about moving on without that child. Mm -hmm. Have have you experienced that dichotomy and, and how have you kind of worked through that? Yeah, there's definitely, and I think as moms, there's just mom guilt no matter what. And, and I mean, I have guilt if I send my five-year-old to school, if I don't like, what do I do? Just, and so just all of these, just general mom guilt. And then you feel guilt. I especially think, was there something I could have done differently? Is there, you know, was I not healthy enough to carry a baby? Was I not, we take it inside of ourselves to, to feel guilty about, about loss. And, um, and then you feel guilty for, or I have found that I feel guilty for waking up and being happy that day or, or wanting to try for another baby or, you know, when Zion was born, we felt such overwhelming joy. Like it, when, when he was born, we felt like it was this first, like the first deep breath that we had taken in probably two years, like, okay, he's here and it's okay. But then I felt guilty at that same moment because I thought, what if I'm not loving Emery as well? Or, you know, and so it's, I think that's something that is just a lie that we have to somehow fight that guilt, especially as moms and, and big things and little things. And so it's, I've had to daily remind myself that grief and joy are not emotions that are, that have to be experienced separately, Mm. if that makes sense. And so I can, I can hold my rainbow baby and I can love him and be completely obsessed with him and be thankful for where we're at and still grieve the babies and still hold them in that same love and the same honor and in the same, in the same breath at the same moment. And that's hard to learn how to do, but I've been forced to do it. And I know, I, I know so many moms have to as well. Yeah. And I'm sure there are women listening who totally understand what you are saying. 
And I mean, and it's just a fact of life that regardless of what challenges we are facing, there is that that uh, polar opposite emotion that you can experience in the same hand and in the same season, in the mm-hmm. same breath. And, um, and, and when we realize, we always tend to think and go to, at least I do, that like, okay, once we get to this next place or once this next thing happens or we achieve this or the pregnancy happens or a healthy baby comes or whatever, then things will feel better or look better mm-hmm. or will be better. But, but really, yes, there are certain aspects ahead of you that will be wonderful and then there will be certain aspects that will cause discomfort. It will always be both, yep. right? Yeah, that stuff, I mean... And that's a weird spot to be in, especially after loss and then joy. Yeah. And and feeling some sense of redemption, it's a very strange spot to to have both of those. And be like, okay, this is okay. This is okay to have. Yeah. You know, I always said I would have four kids. I always wanted. I said I wanted four kids by the time I was thirty, and I do have four babies. It looks way different than I would have ever hoped or wanted, but it's okay to look at my two children here and and see them and then see the missing pieces and see, you know, the missing spots where our other babies would fit into our family and just Mm -hmm. be in that spot where it's just kind of uncomfortable, but there's grief and joy in in the discomfort. Yeah. I love learning and hearing stories like yours because it helps me to be a better support to other people going through something like this. So were were there things that people did or said that were helpful and feel free to also share the things that were not as helpful either. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing I found, and I have always been very vocal about our journey and our loss. And so I don't, I don't hide my emotions. I, you know, we were very vocal about grief. And so I know that that can make a lot of people uncomfortable if they have not experienced it. And I had a lot of friends that, um, that said, one of my friends, she said, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do, um, but I'm here for you if, if you need. And so that was helpful because because she didn't she didn't know. She had no idea how to handle this. She had no idea what to say and, and had no idea what to feel or what would help me. And she didn't want to say the wrong things. And so just her acknowledging and saying, I don't know how to help you and I don't know how to carry this for you, but I'm here for you. Mm. Um, I think the worst thing is people that don't say anything, um, that really, because, and I understand why maybe, cause they feel unsure and uncomfortable of how to handle the grief or how to handle loss. But I think if you know somebody walking through this, just, just saying, I don't know what to do, but I, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing that just really helps heal my heart is when people say Emery's name and when, when people remember her and say, I miss Emery today and, um, or I see how she would fit so perfectly here or, um, yeah, just, just acknowledge her presence and just kind of day to day life because I am always thinking about the loss. And I've, I found that with other moms who have experienced loss. It is always on their minds. They know the name, the age of the child, mm-hmm. what that, like they know when that child would be going to kindergarten. They're always thinking, you know, about where that baby they lost would fit into their family. And so it doesn't bring up, like someone said, they're afraid of bringing up bad memories for me. And I said, it's not, I'm always thinking about it. Right. And so, so you're not bringing up bad memories. You're acknowledging 
you know, my babies that aren't here with me. And that's like just so important and so healing for me. So yeah, exactly. Like, you know what happened. (laughs) So (laughs) the fact that somebody else and, you know, brings it up and just simply remembers means that you're not alone in remembering that this big deal thing happened because I always think of when I drive by a hospital, I think of what's going on inside that hospital and the fact that all these cars are just zooming by unaware of anything that's happening in very real time inside those four walls that is changing the lives of people every single day. Mm -hmm. And you think like when you're experiencing something like that, it's like how how can the world keep spinning? Like everything's different for me, right? And so when you realize that somebody else's day is a little bit different or their thoughts go towards you when they could just keep spinning on and on, not considering you. Like it just, it kind of warms your heart. It does. Yeah, it does. It definitely makes, I found that grief and it's a very isolating place Mm -hmm. to be. And especially when you don't, I mean, no one wants to be in this club of early miscarriage or stillbirth or infertility. Like no one wants to be, I mean, I never thought I would be in this, you know, in this club and it's the worst kind of club to be in, but it helps so much when people who don't understand still make you feel like you're not alone and still acknowledge your grief and pain. And it just makes you feel not so isolated. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's, um, especially for a thing, you know, a lot of people don't talk about miscarriage and stillbirth a lot. Like it's not, it's still somewhat of a hidden kind of something that's not talked about a, a whole lot and not acknowledged. And so, being able to have a voice and share our story and then being able people recognizing that and just just acknowledging our pain and grief is is really helpful to not feel isolated Hey everyone, I want to jump in real quick, and this is so hard to do on episodes like this, but these sponsors truly make the show possible for you to listen to for free. So I do want to thank one of our show sponsors, and that is Wander Beauty. What I love about Wander Beauty is that it simplifies your makeup routine. I'm not somebody who uses a ton of products, and so I love when my products can do double duty. You know, when you're using your lipstick as a blush, right? It's a cream blush. It basically is the same thing, right? Well, Wander Beauty wants to simplify your beauty routine because Wander Beauty is made for women on the go. Everything's travel-friendly and easy to use, and their essentials for multitasking and multi-purpose use are perfect so you can have a few items and have a full makeup bag within those. So amazing. I love their bronzer and blush combo. There's a cream applicator on either end of the product. It's a twofer, guys. I love it so much, and the coloring's great, and it stays all day. They're dedicated to clean beauty and formulating everything with skin-loving ingredients. They're also cruelty-free, mess-free, and stress-free. So you can get 20% off your purchase at wanderbeauty.com EMP. That's wanderbeauty.com slash EMP for 20% off. Wanderbeauty.com slash EMP. You're going to love giving Wander Beauty a try. I have loved all of their products, including most recently their face wash. I've been loving the great smelling face wash they have so, so much. So I'd love for you to give that product a try too. Thank you so much to Wander Beauty for sponsoring the show. Now let's get back to it with Sadie. And if you can write down on your calendar, you know, for that next year, like when a special birthday is or a day of loss or something and recognizing that and remembering to send a text or drop off flowers or send a card, whatever, but just to show I'm still thinking about it and I know that you are too. And I'm mm-hmm. here and I'm yeah. here with you. So write it down because you think, oh yeah, I'm going to remember. But then 
you know, things get busy and that's totally not your fault. But if you can write it down just in the same way you would acknowledge someone's birthday, those days of loss and remembrance are just as important. And the smallest acts can yield such powerful, powerful meaning to somebody on a hard day. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. My mom sends flowers for Emery's birthday each, each on, on every one of her birthdays so far. And it just, just knowing that someone knows that that day is hard for us and, and celebrates as equally because a mom of lot, like who has lost a baby at any stage wants to celebrate that baby as much as if that baby were here with us. Yeah. And so knowing that people also do that and, and treat them equally as, you know, my other, my other children that are here with us is just a powerful tool against grief and, and feeling lonely and all of it. Yeah. When is her birthday? Yeah. Um, July 8th. July 8th. I have a July 13th baby. <laughs> it's okay. a good time. It's a good time. I always thought July 4th would be the most fun birthday ever. Like fireworks every year for your yeah. birthday. That sounds awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, that oh. would be we that would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. July 8th. What a special day to remember your sweet girl. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So as a military mm-hmm. wife, I am a military wife myself. My husband's now out, but a reservist, but we moved okay. a lot. You've moved a lot. Moving's not easy, even when you get good at it. We just moved in December, and it's like, I am still having a hard time, and I feel like I'm doing all the right things, but it just takes a while to settle in. What has all this moving and cultivating friendships in each new place and things, what has this taught you, and what have you learned about being a friend? Um, I've actually, I thought that I was good at making friends until I started having to move (laughs) <laughs> to a new community and a new area. And then I realized I'm not good at it. And I have to be very intentional about seeking out community. Um, and it's tempting each time we move, especially if we're only going to be somewhere like a lot of our moves, we were only there for six months or a year. And so it's so tempting to just kind of isolate myself and think I don't need to form relationships. I don't need to, it's not worth it. I'm only going to be here a couple months or, or a year or two years or three years or whatever. And I found that that serves nobody. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help other people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't It doesn't really do anything other than just kind of make it isolating and hard to, hard to function, especially with kids. You know, we need community. And so just, and I'm probably a little too blunt and abrupt with things, <laughs> but I'll tell somebody like, hey, I'm only here for six months. Um just so you know, but I, but I want to be your friend and I want to seek community with you and, and hang out and do play groups or whatever. And so just being able to, to dive into a community and find friends, even if I'm kind of the new person, the new girl in in different circles, um, is, has been so important and knowing that people I found moms don't really care. They just want friends. They just want you to be there and show up and like, have someone to go get coffee with and um, especially military moms I found like when we moved here I had to find I had to put emergency contact from my daughter's school and I thought well like I don't know anybody I said I can put my mom but she's six hours away and the school's like no we need someone local and I thought what am I gonna like who yeah who do I know. I put? like I, can, I don't even know anybody yet and so that's been something especially in mili- like military circles being able to say hey I know you just met me, but I'll be your emergency contact. And I promise I'm not crazy. And I'll, you know, if you need somebody to watch your kids last minute or call to pick up your kid, if you're, you're sick or your kid's sick at school, like I can be that person. And so just not being afraid to, um, 
you know, get intimate real fast, like, yeah. because you're just forced to, you just kind of have to. And that's been hard for me because I want six years to build up a relationship and we just don't have that luxury. Right. Um, yeah. And you can so wait just, around wishing it were different. Like, oh yeah, that'd be way right. nicer to like put down roots and, you know, do that whole thing. Yeah. Those friendships can go a lot deeper, but when you dive in and are proactive, so many people wait around because they think they have all the time in the world and they don't go deep with people and they say surface level and they're wondering why they're not receiving invitations or why people aren't reaching mm -hmm. out to them, but it's because they're not being proactive. They're not showing up and you have to right. show up first. And even if it kind of goes against your natural inclination or personality or whatever, do it in whatever context feels right. I always say, create the invitation you'd want to receive. Right. Yeah, and it can be as exactly. simple as yeah. inviting one person over for lunch in your home or meeting out somewhere at the park and just having a simple play date. Right. Like there's very low risk, even if it's like the most miserable hour of your life. Like at least your kids got outside and you got to play for an hour. Like, fine. Right. right. You don't have to see him again. Yeah. But just being proactive and you never know what that will do for the other person, too, who may not have that same um, ability to be confident and proactive and step out and they really may it may be about them more than it's about you too I've seen right. that in a lot of my friendships yeah yeah I've definitely found that and I found that I like you said like I can't just wait and think like oh I wish I had five close friends and we could do girls nights like yeah. I have to get out there and I have to be sometimes the one to go do it and go to people I can't like my husband told me once he's like you're not an island yeah. And people can't swim to you. Like, you have to get in your boat and you have to go to people. And I was like, I know. I have. It's just hard for me. I'm kind of a, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's tricky. And, and so just moving into a brand new city, like, walking up to the park and saying, do you live nearby? I need a friend that can catch people off guard. But I found more often than not, it yields the best relationships and such good fruit instead of, you know, someone thinking I'm a complete weirdo. Like it yeah. that hasn't happened yet, I don't think, unless they didn't tell me. So <laughs> But then you never yeah. see him again sometimes and it's fine. Even if they thought you were right. weird. <laughs> yeah, it all works out. It works out good. Oh man. Well something that just came to my mind too is when you move a lot, people don't know your history. When people say, mm -hmm. How many kids do you have, Sadie? Or tell me about your family does it feel uncomfortable or how do you approach the situation where you want to share, I'm a mom of four, but you also want to share kind of the backstory or do you say you're mom of two? How do you, how do you do that? Cause sometimes if somebody does say, oh, I have two children and two in heaven or something like that, then I kind of, if I'm caught off guard, I don't really know what to say next. And so I'd like to be a little more prepared, please. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. No, so what do you say? Definitely. Um, something that I still don't know because I don't want to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but I also, I also feel every time I say I have two kids, I feel like I'm dishonoring. Like I feel it's not truthful and it's right. not, but I also don't, I don't want to make people uncomfortable because I know that that is hard for people. And that is something that is, is hard to figure out. And so, um, well, and then down the road too, if eventually it were to come out that you'd had this experience and people would be like, Oh, I had no idea. Why didn't you tell me? You know? So right. I see and both sides. Happened. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, I waited a couple months and didn't, and then someone was like, I wish I would have known this month ago. So I could have said things differently and, and, and interacted with you in a way that was more meaningful. And I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't, I know I didn't want to make you uncomfortable. Um, yeah. and so I, I found being careful with myself, like not if I meet somebody new, cause you, we never know people's stories is just saying, 
if they have one child with them, like, oh, what is his or her name? You know, be careful not to say, how many kids do you have? Mm-hmm. Or because I, it, it changes day to day on how I want to answer that question. Sometimes I'm feeling confident and, and strong and like I want to say, I, yes, I have two babies in heaven. Um, and someday someone asked that question and it's right after I've had been crying for two hours and, and I don't feel like talking about it. I don't feel. And so it's kind of ambiguous. It's a hard, I don't know if that even helps you at all because you can't be prepared. Um, yeah. A question I like to ask is tell me about yourself or tell me about your family. And then Mm -hmm. it really leaves it open and you can tell me as much or as little as you want. Versus like, right. oh, what do you do? Do you work? Do you not? And then it kind of like, they answer that question and it really stops the conversation even after they answer right. that, you know? And so just keeping it open-ended, it gives you permission to go as far or as shallow as you want um, depending upon, like you said, yeah, maybe it's right around July 8th. That's not probably, right. I don't know, maybe that's when you're more open or less open. I don't know, but it's up to you. It's up to you. It's not right. up to me to, to pry. Um, but I do think having ongoing conversations you know where we're asking deeper questions to people like hey have you ever experienced a loss you know like what was that like for Mm -hmm. you i'm going through this have you had any experiences like this and trying to build that that common bond and looking for other people for support or their own perspective or things like that not just asking those questions the very first time you meet somebody, but in an ongoing way to dig a little bit deeper and again, open-ended so they can share as much as they want or as little as they want. Um, but you're providing that opportunity. Cause I often think, gosh, I wish people would ask me about blank, but it seems weird for me just to like come out and start talking about myself or this experience or whatever. Right. Like, so I think about the opportunities I would want created for me to share something meaningful and then I try and create those opportunities for other people who most likely would want the same opportunity. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I found that I would love to share our story, like tell people right off the bat, just so they know that if I feel like, I don't know, I might react in a certain way to a certain phrase or something and they would know, oh, that's because of her, her background and her, her journey. But it, you know, I don't want to just say people like, hi, I'm Sadie and I lost a baby three years ago. You know, it, it kind right. of leaves it's kind of abrupt and, and something that yeah. is, is not easy to share and is not normal to just open a conversation or a friendship, you know, sharing yeah. our story. And so, like you said, having just creating space for there to be as much information or as little information um, and having that always be there. Like I have a couple of friends that I can, I can share what I'm going through this week as much as I want or as little mm-hmm. as I want. And, and there's never any judgment on either end of that spectrum. Um, yeah. And that's just like such a gift. And I think, I think people can be that person, whether you've known somebody for two hours or two years, you know, just creating a, a safe spot for them to share or not share is, is so important. Hey everyone. I wanted to jump in one last time and thank our final show sponsor. And that is Vistaprint. When I started my podcast, I would meet moms at the park and tell them about my show, but unless I literally took their phone and subscribed to them right then, I would say the name Extraordinary Moms Podcast, and then I was so afraid they would forget it, because it's kind of a long name, right? 
so I decided to get some business cards made for the podcast so that I could simply pass them out to moms that I thought might need a little bit of encouragement. And quite frankly, we all need some encouragement in our life, right? And so Vistaprint made the most beautiful cards. I used my logo. It was so simple to put these basic business cards together. And now I have them on hand whenever I want to tell somebody about the podcast. It's awesome. Vistaprint also has lots of other personalized products like mugs and t-shirts and hats, promotional ideas and things like that. Vistaprint has something for everybody. And actually about 15 years ago, I made all my stationery when I was a teacher with my name on it, Miss Lieber's class, so that I could send home notes to the parents. I loved it so much and Vistaprint has only gotten better since then. So Vistaprint wants you to be able to own the now in any situation, which is why my listeners get 500 high quality custom business cards starting at just $9.99. Just go to vistaprint.com slash EMP. That's vistaprint.com slash EMP. vistaprint.com slash EMP to get those business cards. And while you're there, make sure you check out all their other products. Your satisfaction is 100% guaranteed or they'll make it right, either by reprinting or offering you a refund. You cannot go wrong with Vistaprint. I love using them for my needs and you're going to love it too. Well, Sadie, I have just loved getting to know you this morning and chatting about your story. Thank you so much for sharing about your journey and for sharing about Emery. It's just so wonderful to hear how God has really blessed your life and helped you to navigate a path that you never predicted that you wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. have, have chosen, you know, the yeah, having yeah. four kids this way, it it's, it's challenging, but, um, to see you being so strong and so open. And I know people listening are going to get so much out of this conversation, whether they've been through something like this or not. Is there anywhere people can find you online to follow along with your family? Yes, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my name is Sadie, S-A-D-I-E, and then period, and my middle name is Hope, H-O-P-E. So that's my Instagram, my Instagram handle. I'm not, you know, I'm not a real mom blogger or anything, <laughs> but um, we, I do share just quite a bit about grief and what it looks like, you know, a couple years later and walking through just life post-trauma yeah. and post-loss and adding kids and then just regular mom of two littles is a whole journey in itself. It is. It is. And I love when we can find people who have walked a similar road and feel like we're kind of living parallel lives and see how they're doing it. And so I think that's just such a blessing of social media. I think that's amazing. Well, I always close out with three final questions. And the first one, Sadie, is what would you say is your purpose? Um, I would say, so I wouldn't have known my purpose five, six years ago, probably. Um, but now walking through everything that we have walked through, I would say that it, my purpose is truly to, aside from being a mother to my children here, but to love people through their own fires. Um, and one of my friends said that, that she's walking through something somewhat similar and being able to see how I've walked through it and just know that I have survived a stillbirth and early loss and, and trauma is like carrying water for her own fires. And so, you know, I just want to be able to carry water for people who are walking through a similar fire and be able to just somehow, if I can support them and love them, because I know what it, I know what it is like to walk through some pretty hard things. And, um, I just want to love those people well and, and as best I can. Mm, I love that visual. And sometimes it feels like Oh, I can do it myself. I'll carry my own water. I got this because I'm strong and I can do hard things. But the fact that we don't have to, 
Yeah. Right? Or that we can share. And I just don't think the we're load. meant to. No. To, meant to do it alone. Because I try to do it alone. I try to shoulder grief alone. And it does not work. It <laughs> makes it very hard. And it makes it yeah. nearly impossible to thrive. And I do believe that we can thrive in the middle of grief. And so hopefully being able to just go to somebody and say, I'll carry this for you for a little bit and, and I'll be here with you through that. Yeah, for sure. What makes you smile, Sadie? Um, probably my, this is the most cliche answer you probably ever get, but my children, (laughs) um, my five-year-old Pippa is the sassiest, most headstrong little girl I've ever met. And she says the most hilarious things. And then my son, his middle name is Bear, and he literally just walks around growling like a bear. <laughs> so just just watching them go throughout the day just is the biggest the biggest joy for me. Oh, that's awesome. And finally, the purpose of this whole podcast is to help both the guest and the listener to acknowledge how extraordinary they truly are. And it's not because of what you're doing. It's not because of what you've been through. But it's the fact that we all have infinite worth and we're created uniquely and extraordinarily to contribute to this world in a way that only we can do. And when amazing women like you are showing up and using the experiences you've had to lift others and to be a better version of yourself and to model healthy grieving for your kids and things like that. I mean, it's just so, so Mm -hmm. powerful. And so many of the things that are extraordinary about us, we just do every day and take for granted. And it's just a part of who we are and we don't think twice about it. But when we really acknowledge how amazing we really are and what we're doing and how impactful that is, it just takes it to a whole nother level. So Sadie, I want to know one thing that makes you extraordinary. Um, gosh, I think... I think, and I'm not saying this in a, in a like self-promoting way, but just the fact that, um, I do have a desire to share our story and, um, and I think that's an extraordinary thing just because I never wanted to be in this, this camp of grief and loss. And I always wanted to share about my life and I always wanted to have a story and maybe not this one. I did tell the Lord. I was like, I did not ask for this story, but he's given me a story and a voice and just the, the desire I have in my heart to share it is something that I really have wanted to do. And, and I find extraordinary cause I'm not a, I'm not a touchy, I'm not a, not touchy, a feely person. I don't mm-hmm. want to, I'm not a super social person. So for me to have this desire to share our story is something kind of not normal for me and kind of an extraordinary thing for, for my personality. So I love that. I love that. Well, Sadie, thank you so much for sharing your journey today. I think you're just so extraordinary and I'm so excited to see what is next for your family. The action never stops. Does it? How long do you think you'll be in Albuquerque? Um, we should be here three to four years. Oh, okay. A little bit longer, a little bit longer than normal, but also in the military things change all the time. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, we're excited to kind of, to actually be able to settle in a little bit here and, and just kind of see what's next for us. We're hoping to adopt in the next year or two, actually. So, well, we didn't even go there. Oh my gosh. Sorry. I just threw that in there last minute. I didn't even like have that, but yeah, we're just excited to see kind of where we can go from here and, and 
how our journey before this can impact, you know, our future future kids. So amazing. Well, thank you for sharing yeah. your life to this point, and I cannot wait thank to you. see what is next. Thank you so much. I am so grateful to Sadie for sharing her story today. I know some of these stories about loss and infertility and really, really hard things can be hard to listen to. They may evoke tears. They may bring up some emotions from your own personal experiences. It's not the most fun thing to hear about, right? But if you have walked this walk or you know somebody that has and you don't know how to be there for them or you have walked this walk and you felt alone, I hope by hearing Sadie's story that you will feel less alone, that you will feel validated in your range of emotions and your nonlinear track of grief. You are not alone. None of us are. And even if your story is vastly different than Sadie's or mine or any of my other guests, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that we can see a thread of commonality between all of us as mothers as we strive to do our best, to learn from one another, to do the best we can as moms for our children and to become more self-aware as women. There is so much we can learn from one another and each other's stories, even when they're unlike our own. And I hope you can see that. Thank you so much to Sadie for sharing today. Links to pictures, where to find her on social and things like that will be over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. So grateful for you for tuning in today. Next week, we kind of have a different episode. My son Austin is coming on. As you, some of you may have known, if you follow me on Instagram, he has kind of struggled this past year at school as we have transitioned and moved mid-year, and he has come so far, you guys, and I'm excited to share with you his progress, but really how he has gotten to where he is, and he's going to come on to speak for himself about some of the things that have helped him to transition well after suffering from anxiety and fear and just the general transitions that come with new schools and new friends and a new environment. I'm so proud of him, and I can't wait for you to hear from Austin next week. So I will see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary kid. (laughs) Bye.